Man, thank you, Brother David. All right, open your Bible tonight to John's Gospel, the ninth chapter tonight for a few minutes. John chapter 9 tonight. We're going to begin reading in the verse 1 and uh, read on down through there a little ways tonight. John chapter 9, verse 1. The Bible said, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which he by interpretation sent. And he went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. The neighbors therefore said uh, therefore, and they that were before him had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that was set and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He's like him, but he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes open? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam, and wash, and I went and washed, and I received my sight. Thank you. Be seated. Our Father, we come to you tonight, Lord. We thank you for this gathering together unto you. And uh, Lord, we just give God the praise that, Lord, as people drive up and down the street here tonight, that they can see the lights are on in the house of God. And we thank you, Lord, for this uh, good crowd for Sunday night. And uh, Lord, especially during a time like this, and we just ask the Lord to speak to us out of his word. Thank you for the precious hymns, Lord, that blessed our heart and stirred us, Lord, about that hour of prayer and about not forgetting to pray. And Lord, we come now and ask you, Lord, for this little portion of thy word that you might open it up unto us. And Lord, it might be a light to be turned on for somebody still in the darkness tonight. And Father, for those of us that uh, Lord, have seen the light, uh, had our eyes open. I pray, Lord, that you'd bless us, Lord, just to remember when that happened. And uh, Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for all you do. We ask you to forgive me myself and my own sins and failures and shortcomings. And thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that has cleansed me from all unrighteousness and sin. And I thank you, Lord, for being able to stand and preach tonight and have the health to be able to do it, and the desire in my heart to want to do it still, Lord, after all these years. And I pray you'd stir my heart and help me in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Uh, I want us to look tonight at this, uh, this story here tonight in John chapter 9. I've got a kind of an unusual text tonight, I guess, and, or a thought, and uh, it won't be long, I don't think, but uh, I want us to look here tonight and I want to use the subject tonight, how much do you have to know to be saved? How much do you have to know to be saved? 
Someone said, and I agree with them, they said we spend too much time trying to explain the gospel and too little time proclaiming the gospel. Salvation does not come through a master's degree, but salvation comes through knowing the master. It is a matter of the heart. Everything that God does, God deals with the heart. The Bible said in Romans 10, the great chapter that we use to give the Gentile plan of salvation. And the Bible said there, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart. We see that the motivating factor there is the believing. We go through the gospel of John and we could often tell people that are having trouble with assurance of salvation, I often tell them to take a yellow highlighter and go through the Gospel of John and highlight every time you see the word believe because the motivating factor, the thing that, that hooks it all together is that belief in the heart. The man uh, tonight in Acts 9 in verse 3 and 5 uh, he was a learned man, no doubt, but all his knowledge did not, talk about Saul, all his knowledge did not afford him salvation until that it moved from his head to his heart, until he met the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it's amazing to me how little the Bible seems to indicate that you got to know to be saved. I want you to understand that in our story here is a man born blind. And uh, we know in verse 1 it said he was blind from his birth. And every, every one of us uh, tonight was blind from our birth. Uh, we were born uh, blind, so to speak. Of course, the adolescent years are taken care of by the grace of God that watches over us until we reach that age of accountability, but we're all blind. The Bible said the God of this world has blinded our minds. It's not so much our eyes that are blind, but our minds that are blind. And here's a man that was born blind, and uh, he meets the Lord. I want you to notice in verse uh, 10, I want you to notice that uh, actually, verse 7, the Lord told him what to do, and he went and washed, and he came seeing. In verse 9, some said, is this he? Or others said, it's like him, but he said, I am he. Amen. And in verse 10, he said, therefore, said they unto him, how were your eyes open? How did you get your eyes open? Uh, we might, in essence, it like, be like asking somebody, how did you get saved? How did you get your eyes open?" And he answered and said, A man that, calls, that called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes. He didn't know too much. He just knew that a man named Jesus. Matter of fact, if you run on down the chapter in verse uh, 35, after that they, the Pharisees had cast him out of the Jewish temple, and uh, they had cast him out, his parents uh, wouldn't speak up for him. He spoke up for himself and Great verse in verse 25, they asked him verse 24, they said, then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, give God the praise. We know that this man's a sinner, talking about Jesus. And in verse 25, he answered and said, whether I be a sinner or no, 
I know not one thing. I know that whereas I was blind, I now see. He said, I don't know a lot, but he said, uh, I know that my eyes were blind and now they're open. You see how little he knew on down in verse 35 after they cast him out of the temple. The Bible said Jesus heard that they had cast him out and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Don't got his eyes open now. They're done open. Said, Do thou believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Got his eyes open, but he don't even know who he is yet. A whole lot of people get their eyes open before they ever find out who he is. And the Bible said, Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Now you see, the thing about it is, he didn't know who he was. But he had a heart, if he ever found out who he was, uh, he was going to believe. You see, the heart, the heart, it's a condition of the heart. And I want to go three places in the Bible tonight real quick. And I want to use that subject, how much do you have to know to be saved? I want us to look first of all at a publican who was pardoned, and I realize it's a parable, uh, but it still serves the purpose. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 9, and the Bible said, He spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into a temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. That's just another word for sinner. They were both sinners, but one of them didn't know it. And Jesus can only save sinners that know they're sinners. He said, I have not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. And he said, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Now notice he's praying with himself. He's not praying to God, he's praying to himself. And he's just using the name of God. And he said, God, I thank thee that I am not as others men or extortioners, unjust, or adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but he smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humble himself shall be exalted. Now in the parable, the Bible gives two men in the parable. One of them was justified and the other wasn't. Now when he says justified, that's just another, word, another way of saying he got saved. I preached this morning about that word justification. It means just as if we never sinned. The Bible said when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Scarcely for a righteous man one would die, peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore being much more now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath to come. And so when we look here, we realize this publican that we read about, uh, he don't know anything about the doctrines of the Bible. 
He doesn't know anything about any of the doctrines of the Bible, the doctrine of the virgin birth, the doctrine of baptism, uh, the doctrine of eschatology, which just means the study of the coming of Jesus Christ, the doctrine of prophecy, and on and on we could go. He knows nothing about any of that. He doesn't know anything about any of that, and yet the Bible said he went down to his house justified. Well, what did he know? Well, according to the text tonight, the Bible said that he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen. He knew that he was a sinner. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the first qualifications of how much you gotta know, you don't have to know all the Bible. You don't have to be able to explain the virgin birth or tell us uh, who the Antichrist is. Uh, first of all, you gotta know yourself a sinner. You gotta realize that you're a sinner. You're not like this Pharisee that thought he was good enough, uh, that thought he was better than others. Uh, uh, but this man, he just said, Lord, I'm just a sinner is all that I am. Uh, whenever I deal with people in a personal way, I know that we ain't even close to them getting saved. Uh, if they keep telling me about they're not this that bad, they're, they're pretty good people, they're not as bad as other people, I know we're thousands of miles away from this. I'm ever getting saved. Uh, uh, but when I see an old boy get humble and tears running down his face uh, and he said, I ain't worth nothing. I ain't no good. Uh, uh, he says, I'm just a low down sorry sinner. I know we ain't far from the kingdom of God. Amen. Uh, I want you to know, listen, this man knew that he was a sinner. He knew he was a sinner. Tell you something else he knew. He knew his standing. Look in verse 13. The Bible said that this Pharisee, that he's right up there in the front, and he's right up there, and he's right as far as he could go in the front, but this Pharisee, the Bible said this publican, that he is a standing afar off. Do you know what the Bible said in Ephesians chapter two? The Bible said we as sinners was one time aliens without God and without hope from the commonwealth of Israel. And the Bible said you that were off, he is made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, this fellow knew, uh, he knew that he was afar off. Uh, uh, he stood afar off. Uh, do you ever wonder why folks come into church uh, and they're not saved, they're lost, uh, and they always look for a back seat? Do you ever think about that? Uh, uh, they don't want to come up here and sit on the front, uh, uh, not just because they're afraid of the preacher, not just because they don't want to be in the firing line, uh, uh, but I'm sure many of sinners come in and sit as far back as he could because he didn't feel like he was worthy to sit up any closer to the front of the church. Uh, what did he know? He knew he was a sinner. He knew his standing. And then he knew his situation. He said in verse 13, he said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. He knew the only thing that would help him was the mercy of God. Amen. Uh, he knew he needed mercy. A lot of people say, preacher, I just want justice. No, you don't. Uh, uh, what you want is the mercy of God. Uh, 
Uh, it's an old story. I've told it for years. Uh, uh, but the fella that, that went out like Walmart or Kmart uh, and he'd set up a camera and take family pictures and individual pictures. Uh, and uh, he had this lady come in there and she come in and going to get her picture took. And she said, sir, uh, uh, is, that a very, is that a real good camera? And he said, ma'am, it's a good camera. It's high dollar. said, why would you ask that? I, I, she said, I just want to make sure uh, that that camera's going to do me justice. Uh, he said, lady, you don't need justice. You need mercy. Amen. I, I want you to know what every one of us need tonight is we need the mercy of God. Uh, oh, don't never plead to God uh, for what you think you deserve. Uh, don't never plead to God for what you think you got coming. Uh, you and me don't deserve anything except to be in hell uh, uh, but thank God he had mercy on us, amen uh, I'm glad one day I had enough sense to know myself a sinner uh, I'm glad that one day I had enough sense to know my standing uh, was a far off from God, uh, I'm glad one day just as a young boy I had enough sense to know uh, uh, that I needed the mercy of God, amen uh, I think sometimes we drive people away from the Lord uh, because somehow or another in our preaching and our teaching and our witnessing and our testifying that we lead, lead people to think they don't know enough to be saved. How much do you got to know? Well, that publican didn't have to know too much. Look over in, in Luke 23. Luke 23, we've seen that the publican that was pardoned. But in Luke 23, we see a repented thief who went to paradise. If he went to paradise, I'd say we could say he's saved, don't you? How much did he know? How much did that thief know before he got to go to paradise? Not too much. The Bible said in one of the malefactors which hanged railed on him, verse 39, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other, that's the one that went to paradise, but the other answered and rebuked him, saying, Doest not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That sounds to me like in about five minutes' time that man went from going to hell to going to paradise. It sounded to me like that man was lost. In about five minutes' time, he got saved. I want you to know that it don't take God a month of Sundays to save somebody once they get to the place where they know themselves a sinner. They know they need the mercy of God. It don't take long for God to save a sinner. Amen. I'm glad for that. You say, why? Because some people don't have very much time. Some people's on a deathbed. Someone's laying in a crumpled up automobile on the side of the road. Uh, they don't have a lot of time. Sometimes people, they have to get saved quick. They're like Peter sinking. He didn't have a lot of time. He said, Lord, save me. And the Bible said the Lord reached down and saved him. This repentant thief, how much did he know? 
Well, he knew to fear God. The Bible said, he said to that other one, doest thou not fear God? He asked him almost in a, it's a question he asked him almost like in a shocking, amazing way, do thou not fear God? <laughs> Can you believe folks that live their life and have no fear of God? The Bible said in Romans 3, the lost world, the Bible said there is no fear of God. Now he didn't say there was no fear. The world's full of fear, especially right now. There's probably more fear in the world than there ever has been, but not too many of them know enough to fear God. The Bible said, he said, do thou not fear God. The Bible said the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. You're starting to know something you ought to know to get saved when you start fearing God. Somebody said, Brother Rick, I've had it said to me, Brother Rick, I don't want to get saved because just because I don't want to go to hell. I can't think of a better reason. Amen. 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 Somebody said, don't preach about hell and all that. You'll scare people to death. Uh, uh, You kidding me? You can't scare people in this kind of day. They have no fear of God. They see so much, watch so much on social media, uh, TV, movies, internet. They see so much that nothing scares them anymore much. Amen. I, I, I want you to know that the Bible said that this man, he knew enough to be afraid of God. He knew enough to fear God. You see, he knew his life's fleeting from him. In a few minutes, he'd have to stand before God. You ever think about that? Last breath, standing before God. We've read about him, taught about him, preached about him, prayed to him. But one day we've got to stand before him. I tell you, even if you save it, puts a little fear in your heart. Having to stand before God. This man had a fear about that. What did he know, Brother Rick? Well, he probably, he probably didn't know the Beatitudes. He probably never heard that sermon on the mound. He probably couldn't even tell you who Jesus' mother was or if he was even virgin born or probably never heard of such a thing. But he got saved. Aren't you glad this morning that God didn't say you gotta believe the whole Bible to get saved you got to know the whole Bible to get saved, I meant to say. Aren't you glad that, that you don't have to have a PhD to get saved? Aren't you glad that you don't have to be able to answer a hundred Bible questions to get saved? You say, man, Brother Rick, why would God make it so easy? You reckon it's because he wants people to get saved? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. You say, how much does God want people to get saved enough to give his only begotten son to die on an old rugged cross and toss in agony and come down here and live 33 years down here and be beaten, ostracized, taking our sins upon him. The Bible said that he paid our sin debt. The Bible said that he suffered our hell. God must want people to be saved pretty bad to let his son go through all of that. Amen. Fear God. What did he know? Well, he knew enough to fear God. 
He feared God. He asked that other guy, don't you fear God? We're fixing to die. I've been with people that's fixing to die. And they're like this other guy. They have no fear of God. I mean, you'd think somebody getting ready to die, they'd be begging for a preacher. They'd be begging for some Christian to give them the plan of salvation, to say a prayer with them. You'd think they'd be begging for them, but I've been around several of them over 40 years of in and out of hospitals and nursing homes and emergency rooms, and I've been about, about around a bunch of them that was fixing to cross over, and they had no more thought of fear of God, no more thought of getting saved uh, uh, than, than a man on the moon. Uh, I don't understand that. Have no fear of God. This man was known enough to know he needed to fear God. This man knowed enough to know that he's getting what he deserves. What did he say? He said, he said, we indeed justly. In other words, he's saying we deserve to be nailed to this cross. We've done the crimes that are worthy of death and we deserve to be nailed to this cross. But this man hadn't done anything. He don't deserve to be there. Uh, you see, they realized, Brother Eddie, they real, he realized that he was getting what he deserved. Amen. See, a lot of people in this old world, they have it a little bit rough and they'll say, I don't deserve this. i tell you what, I deserve a whole lot more than what I'm getting tonight. And I deserve a whole lot more than what I've gotten in the past. And if God had given it to me, I'd just have to say I deserve it. I, I, I'm, I, I, deserve to, I deserve it. And if God sends a person to hell, you know why they're going there? They deserve to go to hell. If they didn't deserve to go to hell, God wouldn't put them in hell. But when you reject Jesus Christ and when you won't accept his plan of salvation, you won't accept him, there's only one thing left. You deserve to go to hell. That's what the Bible says. This man knew that. This man knew enough to know something about the man in the middle. You say, what did he know about him? Well, uh, I, know, I know he knew this about him. I know he knew this. He knew his name. He said, Jesus. And not only did he know his name, he knew that he was Lord. He said, Jesus, Lord. He knew that Jesus was Lord. Amen. You know what? I'm glad, I'm glad, listen, I'm glad that the Bible said if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus. In other words, you know that he is Lord. Amen. Some people say, well, I, I just don't know, I just don't know who the Lord is. What's the way Paul was in Acts 9? He didn't know who the Lord was. And the Bible said he's going down that Damascus road and the Bible said there fell around him a great light from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why do thou persecute me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. You know who the Lord is? He just told you. It's Jesus. It's not Mohammed, it's not Buddha, it's not Confucian, 
It's not any of them people. The Bible tells us who the Lord is. And let me tell you something. He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Paul said there be lords many, but there's only one Lord of lords and King of kings, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, how did he know that he was Lord? How did he know? Well, he's been hanging by him for six hours. He don't act like any man he's ever seen. The very first thing he does is to pray for the ones that nailed him to the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. On the way up to the cross, he turns to some women that are weeping and he said, women, don't weep for me. He said, weep for yourself and for your children's children. Don't worry about me. He watched him die. You see, Jesus didn't die like a man. He died like a God. (laughs) He died praying for others. He died praying for others. It comes a point where he says, Father, unto thy hands I commend my spirit. In other words, he dismisses his own spirit. You can't do that. I can't do that. You'd have to be a God to do that. So he was he, he figured out who he was. He said, Jesus Lord, I know you're Lord. And somewhere around the cross, he figured out he had a kingdom. He said, Lord, remember me. I'll tell you something else he knew. How much did he know? He knew this wasn't the end. He knew there was something beyond this. I used to tell a story for years. I hadn't told it in probably 20 years. But the old Methodist preacher Sam Jones Sam come home one night uh, from uh, out doing his visitation and things and he come in and his wife said Sam she said the old sheriff is real sick and he's dying and said his wife called and wants you to go over and talk to him and uh, he said I've talked to that man so many times I, he said he, he won't listen said you just can't do nothing with him, said the man's got no fear of dying, but he said, I'll go. And he went over there, and he went in, sat down by the old sheriff's bed where he was laying, and he said, he said, Sheriff, I, he, said, uh, he said, you need to get saved. And that old sheriff said, Preacher Sam, he said, you've talked to me many times, and he said, you know that I ain't afraid of dying. And Sam Jones sat there for a minute, and he said, yes, sir. But he said, what about the judgment? In other words, the only way he'd thought of dying was he died and that was it, annihilated, it's all over, you don't live no more. But when, the sheriff, when, when Sam Jones said, what about the judgment? It hit him in the heart and that old sheriff raised up in the bed and he said, my God, I hadn't thought about that. I I want you to know, listen, there's a whole lot of people, the devil will not let them think about what's beyond the grave. But this ain't all of it, my friend. It's just a little part of the journey. The The longest part of the journey is in eternity. This is just a short road down here. What about the judgment? He was wise enough to know that Jesus had the power to say he could come to paradise. 
And Jesus told him, I don't know if he knew this or not, but Jesus told him, he said, it's going to be today. That's right. See, a lot of people think that when you die, that they bury you and you sleep in the grave until the resurrection morning and they call it the, the doctrine of soul sleep, but there's no such doctrine in the Bible. And if you die tonight, God forbid, uh, uh, the moment you draw your last breath, uh, your spirit will go to be with God who gave it. Uh, uh, they'll take your body and they'll place it in the ground, uh, uh, dust to dust. Uh, uh, but the Bible said the spirit will return unto God who gave it. Uh, the apostle Paul said, the time of my departure is at hand. Uh, in other words, he said, I'm leaving, I'm going somewhere. Uh, uh, they're gonna cut my head off, but that's just a release for my soul and spirit, and I'm gonna leave somewhere. I'm departing, I'm going somewhere, amen. Uh, how much do you gotta know to be saved? Not too much. Not too much. Look at Acts 16. In verse, well, we read it all. It's the Philippian jailer who ran to Paul. Verse 25 said, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the, and the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had fled. And Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are here. Then he called for a light, sprang in, came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and they were baptized, he and all of his straightway. Here's a man we don't have to guess about. It's not a parable. Here's a man that's not dying before Christ died on the cross. Here's a man that after that Christ has already died, Christ has already rose after the third day, Christ has already went back to the Father. Here's a man in the church age. Here's a man that the Bible says he got saved. Amen. You say, how much did he know, Brother Rick? Well, I don't think he knew a lot. I don't think he heard Paul's preaching, maybe Silas's preaching. And if he was like most sinners, he probably didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. But somewhere in there, he probably heard him say, you better get saved or you're going to go to hell someday. You better get saved and Jesus Christ is the Savior. He died for your sins. You better get saved. And so the earthquake came. Oftentimes God sends an earthquake, a car wreck, a COVID-19. God sends something to wake people up. And the Bible said this old jailer, the earthquake woke him up and suddenly, suddenly, suddenly he got interested in eternity and he got interested in getting saved. I know some people, they ain't got enough sense to get interested in getting saved even when there's a catastrophe. They still don't care. They still don't care. But this man knew enough to know it was serious. 
And this man knew enough to know that he better not take his own life. He thought about it. It said he would have committed uh, suicide. He would, he drew out his sword and he would have killed himself. But thank God there's somebody said, Whoa, wait, do yourself no harm. And he had enough sense to listen. See, some people don't have enough sense to listen even when God sends a messenger. I'm reminded of the people going out knocking on doors and handing out tracts and, and they went and they knocked on a door like we've all done many times and, and even though there was probably somebody in there they never did come to the door. And so they just stuck a little track in the door. I think we got it out there in the rack. If not in the rack, it's in the box. But it's a little track that says, uh, what will you do five minutes after death? And they stuck that track in the door and they left. They went down the street. Uh, and a little bit later, the church phone rung uh, and a man called and he said, listen, uh, he said, is this so-and-so church? I said, yes. Uh, he said, were well, y'all out knocking on doors, passing out tracks? He said, yes. Uh, he said, I want you to know uh, uh, that I was standing in the kitchen on a kitchen chair. Uh, I had a rope around my neck. I had it tied uh, uh, to the light fixture and I was just getting ready to jump off and end it all. And I heard your knock. He said, I stopped. By the time I got to the door, you were gone. But I found your little sermon in the door. Where will you be five minutes after death? And he said, I decided not to commit suicide. I decided to get saved. I, and I got down and asked God to save me. And I want you to know I got saved. Amen. I, I, there was a man that knew enough not to commit suicide, but to get saved. You see, if you're lost, suicide ain't going to help you one bit. It's just going to escalate and get worse. If you're not saved. I know some people get saved and they have mental problems and nervous breakdowns and they wind up ending their life. But I'd say that'd be a rarity among people that are saved and know God. Not saying it's an impossibility. I think it happens. You say, where do they go? They go to heaven. You say, why? Because they've been saved. And all saved people go to heaven. All of them. You say, what if? What if nothing? Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Never means never. Will they have some things to deal with? Absolutely. Will they suffer loss? Uh, sure. Amen. But will their soul be saved? Yes, probably so as by fire. But they'll be saved. He was wise enough not co to commit suicide. He knew better than to do that. What did he know, Brother Rick? He knowed he needed to be saved. What must I do to be saved? Amen. There's been so few times that I've had people to come and ask me that question. It is a preacher's delight. It is anybody's delight that knows God. Amen. Brother Eddie, you remember when me and you went out to the Nephong's house oh, yeah. many, many years ago 
They was a, a, a poor family that lived uh, lived on a, in a, as a tenant farm there. And I was over at town one day and I run into the lady and she said, well, I got to talking to her about salvation. She didn't have none. And she said, would you be willing to come out to my house tonight and tell my family how to be saved? I said, would I? And I called Brother Eddie. And then Brother Eddie went out there and I'll never forget it. As long as I live, I don't think, unless I lose my mind. But we pulled up out there and there's about five old starved dogs. You can see every, every rib in their body and they come out growling and snarling and barking. You say, what'd you do? I stayed in the car. The Bible says beware of dogs. And I blowed the horn. Finally, somebody stuck their head out the door and I said, call them dogs off and we'll get out. She said, they won't bite you. They done gnawed the tars off and jumping up on the car. They won't bite you. She called them off. We went in there, me and Brother Eddie, and that little lady said, all right, kids, y'all come on. Preacher's here. He's going to tell us how to be saved. I'm going, is this real? They all come in there and all get around us except for one teenage boy. He's rebellious and he's got the eye rings and the earrings and everything else. And, and I can tell he don't like the fact we're there. But I started out talking to the mama. Went through everything. Give her the plan of salvation. Told her what she needed to do to get saved. Told her she needed to trust the Lord. He died for her sins. And I got done with all of it. And I said, would you be willing to ask the Lord to save you tonight? She said, nah, I don't think I would tonight, preacher. My heart sunk. And we was getting ready to get up and leave. And this about a 10-year-old girl said, preacher, mama don't want to get saved, but you think I could? That little girl got saved. And she got saved, and I said, over to church house. I said, when somebody gets saved, we shake hands with them, and we sing Amazing Grace. And so many ladies started singing Amazing Grace, and we went around and shook hands with her, ready to go home. About the time, getting ready to go home, another one comes in there and said, Preacher, my sister got saved. I know Mama didn't want to, but you think God has saved me? Same thing again. Amazing Grace. Shook hands, had a church service. Yeah. I think there's one more did that. Yeah. And finally, we're getting ready to leave. And the mother says, are you allowed to change your mind? I said, what do you mean? She said, I, I think I want to get saved too. And she got down there and she got saved. Amen. Shook hands, amazing grace, round again. We're getting ready to leave and that old teenage boy comes down the hall a squalling tears running down his face and he said, you thank God and saved me. A wonderful night. Yeah, that's a good one too. 
I tell you, everybody in that house got saved. We baptized, I think about all of them, maybe all of them that following Sunday, we baptized them. And I tell you, everybody in that house got saved. We got ready to leave that night, and them old dogs is gnawing the tars and a barking and growling at us. They just come up licking us. I think they got saved. Great service. Yes, uh, me and Brother Eddie went out one day to see a man and his wife that had been coming to church and, and they were lost and we went out to see the woman and we sit at the table and we're dealing with this woman. We're telling her about Jesus. We're telling her she needs to get saved. We're telling her he died for the, her sins that he's willing to save her. He don't want her to perish. And she says, uh, I don't want to get saved today. And about that time we heard something go... We looked around and her little, about a 12-year-old girl was sick that day in mess school and was laying on the couch. And God said, forget about her. This is the one I sent you out here for. And that girl got saved. You say, I don't believe that. I couldn't either. But you know, God wants to save people. You don't have to, you don't have, to have a college degree to get saved. You don't, you don't have to be a Bible expositor to get saved. You don't have to know very much to get saved. You've got to know yourself a sinner and you've got to know He's a Savior. Yeah. Amen. And you can get saved. He knew He needed to be saved. Let me tell you something else. Look, look here. He comes in, He falls down, He says, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And He said, that's too easy. Got to be more to it than that. No, sir. He knew enough to believe it. Because Paul's giving it to him out of the Word of God. And he knew enough to not argue about it. He just knew enough to believe it. And not only did he know enough to believe it, but he knew enough to do it right then. Right then. Amen. You know how many people knew everything that I've told you thus far tonight, but they didn't know enough to do it right then. Nobody's ever got saved that the devil didn't say, wait till tomorrow. Nobody's ever got saved that the devil didn't say, there'll be another time. You don't want to do that. You need to learn some more. You need to straighten up some more. You need to turn over a new leaf. Your leaf's not your problem, honey. It's the root. Amen. The root is full of sin and you need the root of David. It's what you need in your life. Amen. Amen. Our problem, listen, our problem is deeper than the flesh. Right. When you see people that are living all kinds of sin and they got all these things that just flash saying, I'm a lost sinner, their problem's a lot deeper than their earrings and their nose rings, and their purple green hair. Amen. All that is is an indicator there's something wrong deep inside. Amen. And that's where the real problem is. They used to say when somebody gets saved, they'd say they had a change from nature to grace. Amen. Used to, when somebody gets saved, they'd say, oh, brother so-and-so had a heart change last night. Amen. You see, salvation has to do with the heart. How much do you got to know to be saved? Not too much. 
Not too much. Now you go on from salvation, you have to know some things to do some things. But it don't take too much to get in. Father, I thank you tonight, Lord, for 